0: Hello, and welcome to our, at any rate, Emerging Market Focus podcast, a place for us to discuss recent developments and key issues of focus in the Emerging Market Fixed Income asset class. I'm Johnny Goulden from the Emerging Market Strategy team here at J.P. Morgan, and I'm joined by Saad Siddiqui and other senior Emerging Market Strategist from the group. Saad, thanks for joining.
1: Hi, good to be here.
0: So obviously we had the FOMC yesterday and uh, we've often in the last few of these seen an immediate reaction and then uh, a more medium term reaction. EM local rates uh, and markets more generally um, have reacted to the Fed decision uh, with this looking a bit more like a pivotal moment with with dovish guidance. Um, How do we think about this and what we actually got delivered?
1: I would uh, highlight two key takeaways uh, from this Fed uh, meeting. The first uh, is uh, really, you know, about the messaging and the evolution of the messaging, uh, p- particularly at the at the press conference. Now, there, our colleague Mike Faroli, you know, did note that you know the Fed's messaging is going to evolve as the Fed gets closer to what it perceives to be its neutral rate. So it gets at the margin a little bit less aggressive uh, on the hawkish side. So that's something which is to be expected. And I don't think that should be seen to be uh, a sign of a change in the reaction function. The second thing which uh, I think was notable uh, was basically that the Fed continuing to um, point towards its dots uh, as the kind of best guidance for where policy rates are going to be headed uh, going forward. And there clearly there is a dichotomy between uh, what the Fed is suggesting and what the market is pricing. So the market is pricing that by the end of the year we get to a peak and thereafter we start seeing rate cuts take place in 2023. And implicitly, you know, the Fed is pushing uh, back uh, against that. Now, as far as EM assets are concerned, and uh, kind of more generally, the risk asset complex, we were already seeing a bounce before this Fed meeting, and that has basically uh, continued um, off the back of of that. Now, we discussed this last week, uh, Johnny, and, uh, you know, we came to the conclusion that but we started off with oversold conditions in EM assets a couple of weeks ago. We had triggered an oversold signal in our EM FX risk appetite index. So there was always going to be a technical and positioning related bounce. And um, uh, you know, I think that probably has you know, a little bit more leg, uh, legs to go here. Uh, but it's not necessarily because of the Fed itself. You know, we struggled to see anything that was kind of meaningfully changing uh, our views on where the terminal rate would end up or the pace of
0: Fed hikes would go on the back of this FOMC meeting. Got it. So let's maybe then focus a bit more at EM rates, uh, local rates specifically. And, and we've actually seen the last couple of weeks um, yields coming down, uh, rallying mostly across the board, uh, following uh, the move lower in U.S. Treasuries. Does that mean to you that EM rates markets are already showing some signs of complacency? You know,
1: Treasury yields peaked in the middle of June. And since then, we've seen a pretty aggressive rally in the majority of EM local rates markets. There are a few exceptions. In LATAM and you know, Hungary, for example, which have been underperforming. But broadly, uh, we've seen a rates rally. And what's interesting is what well, is, is that this rates rally has been taking place, even though currencies since that period have been depreciating on average. So you know, in the last couple of weeks, you've seen a bit of a bounce in EMFX. But if you take that whole time period into consideration, since the middle of June, you had rates rallying and currency selling off. And that price action is unusual in EM. Typically, when you have uh, yields going lower, it's it's accompanied with effects uh, appreciation because you have risk premium um, compressing and because the market's getting more comfortable with, with a set of risks in in EM. So very difficult to reconcile that because it's taking place when the starting point of inflation is so high. So our best explanation at, uh, is that this is partly a technically uh, driven rally. You know, we had mentioned oversold conditions. We know that being short duration was a very consensus position as well. So the rally in treasuries probably triggered some profit taking on consensus. Uh, underweight duration positions. But if I were to take a more fundamental lens and try to interpret this price action fundamentally, what the market is saying, if I reverse engineer the price action, is that global growth concerns are the dominant force here. Inflation is no longer that much of a concern. And that um, uh, even though we're going to be in a period where you know, growth is going to be slowing down. The other considerations, such as you know, capital outflows, credit risk premium, all of that, is no longer you know um, a, a primary consideration for EM rates. If that is the uh, interpretation that the market is taking, then I certainly think it it is showing signs of, of complacency.
0: And so, one of those things that we've often highlighted around that is. Um, negative real rates and when we look at most emerging markets at the moment have negative uh, policy rates still and at the same time when we're looking at the growth side of things our economists have downgraded eurozone growth so they're now expecting a a contraction um, around the end of the year do you think that EM can sustain that kind of negative uh, real policy rates and, and real yields in a time when Uh, you have uh, sort of growth concerns and still high inflation?
1: So if you take a look at where real interest rates are right now in the emerging markets, barring a couple of exceptions like Brazil um, and maybe Mexico, the vast majority have negative real policy rates. Now, if we fast forward to the end of the year, and if we look at either our economist forecast for real where real policy rates are going to be by the end of the year, or even if we look at what the market Im- implied real policy rate is by the end of the year, we still have very negative real interest rates. Now that is, for me at least, uh, something to be concerned about because if we are entering a period where we're going to have you know, growing downside risk to growth, those types of downside risk to growth um, you know, inevitably lead to pressures on risk appetite, on portfolio flows, which by the way have are showing little signs of moderating here. We're seeing persistent portfolio outflows from EM from EM EM bonds. Um, with inflation still pretty high and you know, energy prices, especially gas prices, could see you know a further spike. Um, you know, towards the end of the year. That type of generalized backdrop, I think, uh, is one which is is going to pressure EMs, not all EMs will be pressured to the same degree, but, um, you know, we have been writing in the past and talking about how such a backdrop, a stagflationary backdrop, uh, is associated with negative returns in EM fixed income assets. And really, given the negative policy rates, not just today, but also implied in the future, to me, it suggests we don't have a lot of risk premium, especially in or, or even in the riskier capital-importing EMs. You know, the market is saying that these markets will have negative real policy rates, um, despite the fundamental picture looking, you know, pretty challenging at the end of the year. Um, so it's hard for me to see that. Uh, something which is sustainable and therefore either it leads to pressure, further pressure on currencies or the market needs to reprice the front end of yield curves
0: even more. So thinking then about the countries themselves, how do you think best to discriminate between the markets in this kind of environment where you have buffers uh, that are sufficient and where, where they are maybe not?
1: So if we look more broadly at the spread between um, two- year rates in EM and the US, which I think is a good and handy kind of way to assess where EM is in in general in terms of the risk premium, then that spread, it has been rising in the over the past year or so, but it's still quite low relative to a longer term history and certainly not high enough uh, when we think about how what EM uh, you know spreads need to be versus the US. In times of stress. Uh, now, the market over the past year or so has really been discriminating currencies based on uh, the real interest rate and, you know, more specifically the core real interest rate. And this is something we've talked about in the past. So, those countries that have got high core real interest rates. Are seeing their currencies outperform persistently. And that's both in periods where the dollar is going up and where the dollar is going down. And those markets that have got low core real interest rates are seeing persistent underperformance. Now, which are the markets that have got relatively high real rates right now? Well, I'd mentioned before Brazil, Mexico, Indonesia. These are markets that have got high real interest rates and they should be, you know, better prepared. Uh, for coming pressures um, as as we go towards the end of the year. Uh, But you also have a number of countries uh, which are running current account deficits, which are capital importers, that have got high or rising inflation, uh, which have very negative real interest rates. And those, I think, are going to be uh, more vulnerable. So in that category, you have countries in Central Eastern Europe, like Czech and Poland, uh, Thailand and Asia is also one that, that stands out as having um, uh, negative real interest rates.
0: So, bringing this that maybe to summarize where we started with the Fed, and if we don't think this is a pivot for emerging markets at this point, how long are you expecting this reprieve to last?
1: So, set against the stage of a global slowdown, and we just had the, the second quarter US GDP print today which was again, a contraction. So we've had two periods of um, of, of contracting uh, output in the US. We think you're going to see something similar in Europe later in the year. Financial conditions are are still going to be tightening. There are more rate hikes to come from the Fed. We have insufficient real rate buffers in EM. Uh, You know, in that backdrop, I think the bounce that we can see in EM assets is probably a capped bounce. Now, uh, bear markets, as we know well, can often host significant rallies, and, and this bounce that we've had is unlikely to be the last episodic rally uh, within a bear market. I think to really call a more durable turning point, we'd have to see a genuine Fed pivot. And we're not at a Fed pivot right now. They're still going to be hiking rates. They still need to tighten financial conditions further. Uh, from here and so it's premature uh, I think to to be calling uh, a real pivot and you still have a lot of geopolitical risks in in Europe as well. So set against that I think it still makes sense to have a relatively defensive stance focused on FX Uh, in rates. I think it makes sense to be a little bit you know more neutral and differentiate between uh, those markets that will trade uh, like safe core markets, particularly in Asia, where we've added some risk versus the riskier ones that will be more credit sensitive. Now, speaking of credit, I think what's interesting for me, Johnny, is that you know, we've had a bounce uh, in risky assets across the board, including in uh, both in, in corporate credit and in EM sovereign credit as well. Now, I would have expected that in a, in a rally high yield credit would be outperforming. yet the high yield versus IG spread something that we discussed in last week's podcast, that has actually further widened over the course uh, of the last week or so. So why is that happening because to me it's a little bit counterintuitive in the context of,
0: of a rally yeah no I, I would. You know, probably put that as evidence of the theme that you discussed earlier, which is this is probably more of a technical bounce and something which is, you know, genuinely a turning point here. If you felt it was genuinely a turning point, there's a lot of distressed assets in in EM credit, um, which you would expect people to start start buying. But actually... uh, those stresses remain in those countries and they are real from the financial conditions tightening that we've already been seeing is set against the backdrop of a slowing global economy. Obviously, that's putting these countries uh, under stress and that is remaining. So uh, essentially, you're seeing the bit of the market uh, rallying, which is probably a bit more technical and the, therefore high yield has actually, on a ratio basis, actually been underperforming. And you see similar actually across local markets. So if you look at the, the frontier local markets, uh, FX has actually been uh, continuing to weaken, even though we've had some bounce in some of the more beta currencies. And I think again, it, it points to underlying stress, which we talked about last time, which, which actually still is there and remaining, uh, even, even through what can be some, some summer trading and technical oversold type of markets, which is, which is the way we're looking at things at the moment. So that brings us to the end of this J.P. Morgan, at any rate, Emerging Markets Focus podcast. Thanks, Saad, for joining today. And thank you all for listening. And we hope to have you back again with us for the next one. This communication is provided for information purposes only. Please refer to J.P. Morgan Research Reports related to its content for more information, including important disclosures. 2022 J.P. Morgan Chase & Company, All Rights Reserved. This episode was recorded on the 28th of July, 2022.